Hello, I'm Alexia, and let me help you to take the fear out of birth with a mix of real-life positive birth stories and birthing experts sharing their wisdom. I'll also be sharing techniques for getting into the fearless birthing mindset. And join the Fearless Mumship community for bonus podcast episodes, access to free birth preparation downloads, and loads more stuff to help you to prepare for a positive birth. Join today at fearfreechildbirth.com. Hello and welcome to episode 211 of the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. This is me, your host, Alexia Leachman, and thank you so much for joining me today. Now, on today's show, I've got a brilliant guest. Today, I'm going to be joined by Ulf Sandstrom. Now, Ulf is a fascinating guy. Ulf is a mental trainer and a hypno coach, but he's also the co-founder of the Hypnobirthing Society of Sweden. So given his expertise in hypnosis and his interest in hypnobirthing, but also the fact that he does really incredible work in helping people to overcome emotional challenges. And part of the work that he does is amazing. He works with emotional traumas out in stress zones where there's conflict in areas such as Rwanda, Congo and Lesbos. So Ulf is a, you know, when I stumbled across Ulf, I was like, I've got to get this guy on the podcast because he is going to have so much stuff to share. So our chat really is a real great tour of mindset and birth stuff. So some of the things that we talk about on the chat that I have with Ulf today are, we talk about Russian water births and how women in Russia are able to give birth happily with smiles in the sea. Um, Yes, listen more about that. But also he talks about dads, how dads can get involved in birth. And as those that have done hypnobirthing will know that hypnobirthing places a huge role on fathers to be active as part of birth. So we talk a lot about how dads can get involved and he's got some really great things to share about what dads can do which is absolutely brilliant then we do talk a bit about tocophobia and how people that suffer from tocophobia which is the extreme fear of birth and pregnancy and how we can look at things like extreme phobias and fears but also traumas and he talks about some of the techniques that are really great that you can turn to if that is something that you're facing if you want to overcome a previous trauma or indeed an extreme fear so as you can tell there's loads and loads of really good stuff around mindset and birth during today's episode but that is not all. Ulf has created some really great freebies to go with what he's going to be talking about today. I'm not going to say too much about it. You'll just have to listen to the chat. But there's something for dads and there's something for mums and it's awesome. So listen to the chat and I will give full details at the end of the interview. So listen up, get your seatbelts on, cup of tea ready, put your feet up and listen to this. Well, hello, Ulf, and welcome to the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Well, today we're going to be talking about all sorts of good stuff around birth, about releasing some of those really more difficult emotions and and, and lots more, I'm sure. Now, Ulf, before we start talking about all that, would you mind just telling my listeners a little bit more about the work that you do and how you came to do the work that you do so you can have a little bit more of an understanding about who you are? All right. Um, well, I'm a father of two, um, and I had those two children with my wife before I looked into this, and I wish I had known more about mm, fear-free childbirth, um, but it went well. Uh, but, it, I mean, I have a hands-on experience of what it's like. Uh, I started working with hypnotherapy because it was fascinating how the way we think actually 
affects our bodies and our minds. Actually, I learned very fast that stress is 99% a fantasy, which sounds really strange at first, but I'll, I'll explain that later. And if you get control of your fantasy, you lose the stress. And the same thing goes for fear. And another fascinating part of hypnosis, which has a history in actually they were helping soldiers amputate with, without painkillers in India during a certain time. And the one thing that worked for absolutely pain-free amputation was hypnosis. So that, that fascinated me as well. So I went from there into looking at how can people survive a stressful experience. And hypnosis is a language-based intervention, so I started looking for something that didn't need language. And I found my now colleague, Gunilla Hamna, who was working in Rwanda with the survivors of the genocide, uh, teaching a tactile intervention that took about, takes like 10, 15 minutes, and people can actually lose stress, lose fear, and even heal, uh, in some cases, traumas that they've been carrying around for a very long time. And this just seemed crazy. So I contacted her. Uh, she taught me and I came down with her and I've been working with her in an organization called Peaceful Heart Network, working with survivors of genocide and acts of war and sexual assault in Rwanda and Congo and also with the volunteers that work with the refugees coming through Greece. So I, I also work as a hypnotherapist. Uh, I got interested in hypnobirthing because I was contacted by a midwife who was in charge of education for midwives in Sweden. And she wanted to do a pilot study because one of her colleagues, another midwife, had this woman come up to her and say, I'm going to give birth at home. And I want to give birth at home. And I just want you to be there and stand back and just watch me give birth. And this just sounded, you know, a little bit... Uh, to, to the midwife, it sounded, all right, people want to do that. That's fine. But it, the, the woman was American. Her name was Amy Newadal. She had been studying hypnobirthing. And... When the midwife came to the location, Amy was standing up eating pasta, getting ready to give birth, joking about it. <laughs> it was like, this was like, that's an unusual birthing experience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it turns out that Amy, she started um, training hypnobirthing, which actually is not, it's not very hard and anybody can do it. She started that just like five or six weeks before giving birth. So... This midwife at, at Karolinska Institute at the time, one of the main hospitals here, uh, and, inst and universities and institutes, she, she just called me up and said, you do hypnosis. Um, we've had this hypnobirthing experience, and it's, it just seems too good to be true. Do you want to make a study? So we did that. We did a study, and we found that uh, we did some tweaks to it. We, we were trained with, with Katharina Graves from hypnobirthing in England, and... Uh, the Swedish hospital system is different. The view of birthing is different. The culture is different. So we adapted it. And we've had wonderful experiences since. And all the stuff that I learned from, from working with stress and trauma and hypnosis just added in perfectly. So does, are you saying that sort of um, the Swedish health system sort of incorporates hypnobirthing quite openly within to help and support birthing women in Sweden? Yes and no. Uh, mid midwives in Sweden, I don't know if it's the same in the rest of the world, but midwives in Sweden can have a conservative view mm. because they know what they're doing and they've, they've been doing it, you know, for a long time. And it, it was actually this midwife, it was when she actually saw it. Yeah. When she saw it happen, she was like, I understand this works. Yeah. So it completely convinced her. And thanks to that, uh, the door is open to a lot of other midwives. Mm. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you tweaked 
the hypnobirthing thing? Because I'm really interested, you know, first of all, I think it'd be really nice for us to maybe just agree as a starting point. How do you define hypno? Like, how, what would you use as a definition of hypnobirthing? And then what is your tweaked version of it? Because oh. I think hypnobirthing is, you know, some people think it's just, it, it was originally as defined as the use of hypnosis to bring about a positive birth experience. But it's kind of expanded beyond that now to be more of a holistic preparation to birth approach kind of thing so i'm just curious as to where your starting point was and, and what your tweaked version of it was okay well it's, it's kind of simple i mean some people like you said hypnobirthing is a complete concept some people start with it you know even before they're pregnant and they go through the whole experience and they train it with their partner and they have a wonderful experience and, and that can be rewarding and fun and it's something that you you know can use the rest of your life because once you learn to control your imagination and your nervous system, that will work just as well in any other situation. Yeah. Uh, then there are people who, you know, just realize that, oops, it's five to six weeks to birth. And uh, I've been working, you know, and, and suddenly <laughs> I realize I'm going to have a baby. Ah! <laughs> and then they start looking, is, what can I do to prepare, you know? And, and they're actually, they're doing maybe five, ten percent of what's possible, but they're still getting the actual benefit. Mm. Because from my point of view it's it's kind of the bottom line is this if you are afraid of something that hasn't happened yet it's because you're imagining what it's going to be like mm. that imagination is either based on something somebody else told you that you've heard or seen in a movie or read in a paper or you simply just have a vivid imagination and it prefers to look at possible dangers mm. so that's one side of it if you get control of your imagination and you move towards a positive experience, your fears vanish. And when your fears vanish, your body relaxes. When your body relaxes, it's not going to be unpleasant anymore. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, in an actual experience of anything which might or might not be pleasant or unpleasant, if your body is tense, if the muscles in your body are tense, the chances that the experience is going to have unpleasant qualities the way you look at it are higher than if you actually simply relax. Now, you can relax with a drug, which is what mo most people do when they give birth. Uh, but there is a flop side to, take, to having a drug make you relax. It's, your body is a perfect system that gives birth naturally and has done so and refined it for 500,000 years or more or whatever we believe is, is the actual evolution of mankind. The midwife I work with, she has this story which is kind of harsh in a way, but she had a woman come in who was actually, uh, she had been in a traffic accident, and she was not there anymore. Uh, she gave a perfect natural birth in coma. Wow. Perfect natural birth. So, I mean, and, and the reason it's harsh is because nobody wants to have a vision of somebody in coma. But, but at the same time, if you realize that the body knows exactly what to do, it doesn't require your consciousness or your imagination or your fears, and the pain is not a natural part of it. So, of course, there could be some a sensation that you could perceive as pain, and that's not the issue. Uh, there was a movement in Russia called the natural water birthing movement where people went to the, the Caspian Sea to give birth for a long while because the hospitalization system didn't really offer them good care. So um, if you watch those movies, and you can find them online, Russian water birth, you see women giving birth in the sea, and 
two seconds after giving birth, they're smiling. Mm. Now, this is because they have no option. There is no hospital team. There are no sedatives. There is no epidural. And maybe part of that makes them just simply go, what the heck? I'm going to make the best of it. Mm. But it's, it's just fully possible. So the bottom line is relax mentally and your body will relax. Relax physically and the experience will be what it can be. And usually that is pleasant. I love how you're, you know, just that that story, even though it isn't, like you said, a difficult story, the lady of a a woman giving birth in a coma, it just illustrates very beautifully how, you know, we really don't want the mind to get involved in this. And it's when the mind gets involved that you're more likely to experience problems because it's the thoughts, it's the emotions, it's all that stuff that you're like, you said you call it the imagination is what's giving us a hard time here. And, and animals don't have that ability to have that vivid imagination we do. And then they, they don't, you don't see animals in pain giving birth. And yet we've managed to add pain to the equation. And it's down to this, our ability to have this vivid imagination and come up with all this stuff in our head. And if you can just stay present and stay in the moment, you're less likely to have those painful experiences. So that story is a really great way of kind of illustrating that. So thank you for that. So the, the, the adaptions we made actually was, number one is <clears throat> the partner is an active part. That's not really an adaption. That's also in the, in the original hippo birthing. Um, the partner can actually have a, a, an extremely important role in hypnobirthing by, sim- by simply being the gatekeeper, the door to every, uh, sp- every thought that has to be spent on what to do next. Because if you look at animals, when they give birth, uh, they don't do it in the middle of the flock. They go to the side. They want to be, un, they want to be undisturbed. So uh, in Sweden, what's normal is some people give birth at home, but actually most people give birth in the hospital. Um, to get good care in the hospital, you don't want to come in too early because there's a window of time that they would like to spend on you. So one of the first actual tricks or uh, actual keys uh, is, here is to stay at home as long as possible. If you go in too early, uh, the same thing will happen that happens to animals giving birth. Uh, if you disturb a sheep or, or, or some other animal that is giving birth, it will move along with the rest of the flock and all the birthing reflexes will stop. So, so if you move too early towards the next location, you're actually uh, stopping what was already started. So it's going to be a longer process. Mm-hmm. And that goes for everything else that happens on the way to the natural birth. Every intervention whether it is an examination, just a normal examination where you're coming in or checking or um, gas or a painkiller, everything that you do or oxytocin artificially to, to start the birthing experience, everything you do is actually meddling with a natural process. Now, the midwives I've, I've worked with, they're, they're, they've been around for a very long while and they've worked in third world countries and they're very clear about what they think is a good midwife. A good midwife is a, is a midwife that stands back with her hands on her back and smiles and intervenes if necessary because the body knows what to do. Do you find that, um, general, I, I, it sounds interesting to hear that's a great midwife, but some of them, they just can't help themselves, can they? They just want to get involved and doctors and consultants the same. They just want to examine. They just want to get involved. And, and so sometimes I, you know, I have some mums telling me how their birth has went, how the consultants are really just meddling and, and maybe some yeah. of them are the problem. It's a shame that the midwives that you're describing, there aren't more, more like that. They just allow, maybe the professionals trusted the bodies as well, that we would have more positive well, they, birth they have, experiences. 
they have a different situation. They have they have a time ticking. They have a clock ticking. Mm. Um, but as, as a mother giving birth, you don't have a clock ticking. Your baby knows when it's time to go out. Your body knows how to do it. You can do it without being present consciously. Mm. So you, you can completely trust the system. And that's why hypnobirthing, as we teach it, we, we teach the mother and the partner to actually give a birthing letter if they are dealing with consultants or midwives or doulas or, or doctors, a birthing letter stating, we have practiced hypnobirthing. We are thankful for as few interventions as possible unless necessary. And if there's a question about an intervention, please talk to my partner first because I'm busy giving birth. Now, just talking about partners, I'd really like to, you know, you've, you've touched on what, you know, you would have liked to have known more when you had your two children. And I get some of the mums listening to this show uh, telling me they struggle to maybe get their partners on board or understand what the role their partner can have within the birth. And so I'd love to hear your perspective a little bit more on how you think dads can get more involved in birth, especially those that maybe don't think that there is a role for them or there isn't much for them to do other than hold their partner's hand and stroke the back of her hair. You know, you talked about them being the gatekeeper. If you could just maybe talk a little bit more about what, how dads can step in and, and help mum during this really important time for them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the, way, we, the way we train and teach hypnobirthing, uh, we have the partner has a, a vital role and is involved from the beginning, but we've... Since my background is hypnotherapy and hypnocoaching, now the difference between those two is hypnotherapy, you're trying to help somebody get out of some kind of behavior, behavior feeling, or thought they're not happy with. Uh, hypnocoaching is you want to help somebody go from where they are into a state of excellence, climb up Mount Everest or play football or win the Olympics. So it, it's actually more or less the same techniques, but it's just a different goal. Mm. Now, in both those cases, it's very clear that the images you have in mind are what are going to guide your nervous system. If you're an athlete, you don't train mentally for running faster by seeing an image of yourself losing. Mm -hmm. You don't train um, succeeding in jumping higher by seeing yourself fall. So at a really strong vision of where you're heading is just as important for the mother as the partner. So the mother needs a vision of her partner being the gatekeeper, being there with her, involved, and that there is a, most people usually let the film stop uh, at the birthing experience. So they're thinking, I'm going to give birth. Everything is evolving around that. Um, and we try to move the end of the film further and say, you should be worried about when your kid in your belly is going to come home from school saying, you know, I'm not sure I understand math. Because by moving the goal further, you're actually diminishing a little bit the whole thing about the birthing because that's going to be over mm. and you're going to have a baby and, and there's going to be completely other worries after that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so the first thing we do is we move the date. You know, what, is, what is the date you're looking at right now? What, is, what are you preparing for? Well, I'm preparing for the 5th of August. That's when my baby comes. And we say, no, that is not when your baby comes. Your baby comes when your baby wants to. That's a period within four weeks when it's possible that your baby comes. So, so don't focus on the day. And the same thing goes for the partner because, you know, a partner who hasn't thought much about babies, they probably believe that the fifth is the fifth. So they can book themselves at the office triple work up until the fifth. And then they're going to write a book and some poetry and start, you know, practicing some sport after that because they're going to spend time with the baby. And we both know that's not the way it works. <laughs> yes. so, so we set that straight. And then the... 
there's this thing with hyp- hypnotherapy and hypnocoaching. It's self-hypnosis is when you listen to a recording. And you can get all the benefits of becoming relaxed, gaining control of your nervous system, losing um, images you don't like by doing that. But we teach the partner to read a hypnotic script to the mother. And the benefits that we've discovered are multiple. Mm. Now, first of all, we're giving something that, ev- that evolves around having a baby that they're doing together. So he is reading a script to her and she's trying to sleep. Uh, and that's fine. But there are so many other gains because the baby already after, I think it's around 20 weeks or something, the baby actually can discern noises from the outside and conditioning mm-hmm. actually works. Mm-hmm. So this means that if the mother can relax and the baby can, who shares the nervous system can be relaxed and hear the father read something mumbo-jumbo to the mother and the mother relaxes even more, you're conditioning the baby to be calm to the father's voice. And this is what all the, all the mothers that we've had with hypnobabies, they say the baby is a lot calmer mm. and it's easier to relax with the father. Mm. Mm. So as a father, if you want, or a partner, if you want to have the gain of knowing that your baby will be calm also with you, yeah. because during the first months it's the mother who can, who can give the, the breast and that's going to be, that's going to, it's going to be hard to compete with that. Yeah. But if you, actually, if you actually can have a soothing voice that the baby is conditioned mm. to like and be relaxed, that's going to help enormously. Hugely. I mean, I just want to like, you know, draw, if I could draw a red circle around this part of the podcast and put loads of arrows on it, this is yeah. such an important thing because I'm right now going through my little one who's about just over one and she's teething. And I, like you, you know, we touched on the fact that from 20 weeks, babies can start to hear and discern sounds and when they become familiar with something in the belly then that same sound will calm them when they're outside of the belly and I conditioned my baby I I would sing to her a particular tune that's very repetitive that I can do without thinking that I can just churn out when she's teething and I use that now and it calms her so quickly because I trained her on this calming tune while she was in my tummy and so again just getting dads to do this as well so that they can take baby in the night that baby calms in their arms that they feel they've got a really great fathering role and that they don't feel left out when baby's there this is just gold so thank you all for Uh, highlighting this brilliant and the gold thing is that they're actually i mean the mother is letting the partner cool her so that, that kind of takes the edge also about a lot of stuff that you're worried about and thinking about because you're actually both of you doing something practical mm. for the baby, with the baby, that actually gives a result and that you'll have a gain of afterwards. Mm. Mm. And then we tell we have a script normally for the partner, which is a um, – well, we have the one in Swedish. I might be able to do one in English, but it's for the partner actually just – running them through what it's about to have a baby, you know, what, what does it mean for you? What is your role? And basically we say, think of yourself as a sommelier at a, at a really fine restaurant or a waiter, mm-hmm. the head waiter, and you're coming up to the mother's table and basically you're just saying, what can I do for you? You know, if she says she wants a mint, she gets a mint. If she wants coffee, she gets coffee. If she just wants you to clear the table, you clear the table. Mm-hmm. But you're not doing it as a servant. You're doing it as a professional. You're doing it as, you know, the waiter at the top-notch five-star restaurant who knows this you're there catering and you're doing it for a pleasant experience because that's what the birthing is going to be so you pack the bags you make the phone calls you make sure you're relaxed at all times you're not focusing 
down there during the birthing experience. You're instead, you're up at her shoulder, mm-hmm. um, allowing her to be calm during the birthing experience, allowing her to know that any questions that need to be answered, you will answer them first. And if necessary, you'll ask her. So she can just completely relax and be in the birthing. Mm-hmm. We also train the partner with a trigger. Now, a hypnotic trigger or anchor is when you touch a person in a, in a certain place, for example, just with a finger on the shoulder, you can help them access a calm state, even if they're not able to on their own. Mm. So this is really simple to train. It's really fast. And I'm, I'm telling, you know, if any of you mothers-to-be are having your partner listen to this, listen to this part. Mm. Hello, partner. What if you could touch the mother of your child on the shoulder and have her simply relax, regardless of why? Wouldn't that be a magical button? Mm. Yeah. And that can be trained. Mm. And it's easy. And that's such a help because when you're in the birthing experience, if it's the first child, it's going to be it's going to be an immense experience. It's going to be something you've never been through before. But that doesn't mean it has to be bad. And I'll give you a story uh, which illuminates this. We have Sometimes we have six couples, sometimes two, uh, that go to the trainings. At one specific point, we had uh, a number of couples sitting across the table, and we asked them, what are your fears and expectations, uh, and what, what do you want to achieve by learning hypnobirthing? So the first mother, she looked up and she said, well... I just hope I'm not going to, you know, get hurt. I hope there's not going to be any tears. I hope um, my partner is going to be sane and with me and not irritate me. I hope my mother-in-law is not going to turn up too fast after, you know, all these things. I hope the midwife and me are going to click and all, all these things, uh, an enormous amount of, of, of worries. And then, you know, we said, okay, that's fine. You know, we'll help you lose those by the end of this session and replace that by positive images and then we turned to the next mother, and she just looked at us, you know, incredulously. She just looked at us like, is it my turn? Wow. Well, I, I, I didn't know about all those things. I have been Googling um, birthing orgasm. <laughs> and we have, we have a screen, and, we, you know, she could Google up. She, she showed us what it was. And actually, yes, there are, there are women who actually experience their orgasm during giving childbirth. It's not everyone. It's maybe not even every tenth. But it does happen. And that was her image. So, you know, just, just the scope of it from fear of everything uh, into, into actually, you know, not being able to wait to see how pleasant this birthing experience can be. Mm. I chatted to somebody um, when I was, I, I decided to train in laughter yoga because I thought it would be a lot of fun. And I spent the weekend laughing and that, it was a lot of fun. But one of the ladies <laughs> on the laughter yoga course told me that she had, she had an orgasmic birth and, and, and I was pregnant at the time. So I was like, are you kidding me? I didn't realize you could do this. And, I, and then it transpired that actually laughter yoga can help you to bring about a, an orgasmic birth. And, and mm-hmm. so her birth, she was, um, she had all five of her sisters present at when she was in labor and they were all making her laugh. Some of them were drinking. It was a bit of a party and they had some comedies coming on. It was just everybody laughing. And then suddenly the baby just popped out and it was really orgasmic for her. And so she basically birthed her baby in pure joy. And that was what, 
yeah, that's helped bring it about. And so that's why that's the link with laughter yoga is if you can kind of laugh for no reason and kick off that chemical physiological reaction in your body that comes from laughing, then that can bring about an orgasmic birth. And I couldn't believe I'd met somebody who'd had one and it wasn't just this myth, this internet myth, but it is real and it is it, possible, you know. Yeah, and isn't it amazing? And, and the, the thing is, that's I think that is how nature intended it. Yeah. Because the absolutely biggest high you can have after a natural birth is the oxytocin that kicks in mm. during the hour after birth. That's mm. some of the most immense experience for most people. That's where you actually connect and bond with the child. The child connects and bonds with you. All those hormones are there for a reason. Mm. you know. And I think that's a fantastic vision. Whether you reach there or not, it doesn't really matter. But it should at least be on the menu. You know, as one possible option. And also saying laughter, that is something we actually teach because laughter is a a nervous reaction that makes your whole system relax and sends out all the hormones you need in that Mm. specific moment. Mm. So it's it's a fantastic way of not taking it too seriously. Mm. So dads who are good at dad jokes, they should probably start polishing their dad jokes for mum when she's in labor, shouldn't they? And they should also they should also know that humor is a double edged sword. If you do the wrong joke when your mother is in labor, yeah, no, there could be one. a flip side to that. Yeah, there is. There is. She Make might, sure she it's might. fun for her. Yeah, not for you exactly. Exactly. Now, one thing I'm curious um, that we can for us to talk about is you know you've done a lot of work with some people that are going through very very difficult things in life you know you touched on the work you've done around genocide and I'd just be interested to hear about your experiences with working with people like that because I know that I've got some of my listeners that have you know very extreme fear of pregnancy it's something that's known as tocophobia which is an extreme fear of pregnancy and childbirth and that feel that that they don't have anywhere to turn that nobody can help them that they're stuck with this really bad fear some of them want to be mums or some of them are married and their partners really want babies and children and and they just feel sort of a little bit helpless and you know a little bit like they've got nowhere to turn so I just want to maybe talk a little bit about your work in that area so that to sort of help them understand that this is something that they can resolve and, and get past well, I've worked in Rwanda with, with the genocide uh, survivors. I've also worked with um, women who have been survivors of sexual assault in Congo, which is a place where that happens a lot, and it's actually used in warfare. Um, I also work with, with refugees that come to Europe now. And some of these people have – they've been through things that are too incredible to grasp. Mm. They've been assaulted. They've been raped. They've seen their family killed. Um, how do you get back to life after that? Is that even possible? Mm. And when people think about that, they go, oh, that is real trauma. That is big trauma. Wow. Well, my things seem so small compared to that. And that's one of the misunderstandings I'd like to put straight right away. Mm. If you develop a fear or a phobia, it's not consciously done. It's not your will. It's your nervous system that somehow has focused on this and a fear of giving birth or a fear of becoming pregnant or a fear of anything else is as real, as traumatic as anything else. It's nothing to laugh about. It's nothing to joke about. Trauma is trauma. Fear is fear. Phobia is phobia. It kicks your nervous system into absolute alert. Mm. So some people make fun of people that have phobias, whether it's spiders or becoming pregnant or anything else. And that's just pure silly because... It's comparable to a life and death fear. Mm. 
Now, life and death fear is not run by your conscious mind. So if you go to, for example, talk therapy and talk about your fears, you're actually talking to the wrong part of the system. Uh, so you can talk about it, it can make you comfortable with it, it can make you realize maybe where the fear came from, because nobody is born with a phobia. We are born with a number of situations that are uh, uncomfortable and that we avoid that are hard-coded. Fear of open spaces, confined spaces, not being able to breathe, falling backwards, sudden noises, creepy things and crawly things. Mm. These are, are the seven um, that we are predisposed to, and then they can turn into phobias and fears in other ways through our life experience. Now, life experience could be something we've experienced ourselves or heard somebody else experience or just saw in a movie, something a friend told us at a moment when we were vulnerable. Once it slips through our mind and into our nervous system, into the amygdala, which takes care of phobias and fight-and-flight responses, it's no longer accessible by reason. We could use uh, different coping therapies to try to get used to it. Mm. But, uh, but there is a risk with that because when you bring it up and talk about it and try to get used to it, you're actually not turning it off. You're actually at the risk of either losing it or reinforcing it. Mm. So I see some people that actually have been getting different therapies for phobias and they've, they've just been reinforced over the years. Mm. So they come and they say, I believe I've, ha I've had this fear for so long. Since I had it so long, it must be important. It must be, uh, you know, impossible to get rid of. I can't see how anything can help. Mm. And there are integrative therapies today that can help you get rid of that. Mm. Uh, I can say firsthand, I've seen people who have been traumatized by incredible, horrendous acts of genocide and have had that trauma for over 20 years that have been able to resolve it. I've also seen people with fear of birthing, fear of spiders, fear of pain, fear of anything that have been able to resolve it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a process that is called uh, deconditioning or depotentiating that part of the nervous system. Mm -hmm. It's not so complicated, um, but th there are a few therapies that work and a few that don't. Okay. So let's talk about the ones that don't first, just so that those that have been saying, I've tried everything, I've tried everything, and they think, oh, yeah, that's what I've tried, so that's why I've still got it. So what are the ones that you, from your perspective, are the ones that don't mm. to avoid to, turning to for things like this? Yeah, at danger. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is this, I really don't want to talk bad about therapies because it could be a great therapy, but it was the wrong therapist for you. Yeah, right? no, I get so, that. So it, it doesn't have to be the therapy form. It doesn't even have to be the therapist. There might have been a great therapist with a great therapy, but you two didn't click. Mm -hmm. So I'd, or, or I don't want to put the blame on anybody here saying this or that is a good or bad reason. Let me put it this way. If you take a medication to resolve uh, a fear, like if you have anxiety for something, uh, a phobia or a fear, if you take a medication, you'll calm down the nervous system, but you'll keep the reason for the fear. Mm. So the minute you stop the medication, it's going to pop back up. Mm. Any therapy you try, whether it's talking or cognitive or behavior or analysis or dynamics or, or synthesis or any of those, any of those that didn't resolve it is one of those that didn't work. Mm. And I'm not saying it's, it's inherent in the method or therapist because everybody's different. Mm. But what I do know is that the therapy, whatever it is, that can help your nervous system to relax during the emotional reaction you don't want will send an all-clear signal to the fight-and-flight system and turn it off. Mm -hmm. That could be hypnotherapy. It could be reflective repatterning. 
It could be a tactile therapy like uh, some sort of tapping or havening techniques or TRE or tapas acupressure technique. Mm. Uh, it could also be yoga. Mm. It could be massage. Mm. Because what it is about is uh, when you have an emotional reaction that is that you don't want, you don't understand, and you can't get rid of it, if you can make your nervous system relax when you have it, it will disappear. Well, thank you for that, because I think um, certainly some of the women that are emailing me, you know, really don't know what to, where to turn and, and what to do. So, you know, you've mentioned havening, you've mentioned reflective repatterning, you've mentioned tapas acupressure technique, you've mentioned some of the tapping techniques that includes TFT, EFT. So, yeah, just so that my listeners listening can think, OK, if I can find people that can help me with that. But again, I think the really good point you've made, it's about the therapist, because you need to find somebody that knows how to use these techniques and yeah. that can bring the right one to you because it's not going to be one that's going to be the one that works. It's going to be what works for you and they need to have access to all of those so they can try all of them to help you with what you're dealing with. So again, I think your point about finding a therapist that works for you, that you click with, that you have trust with, that is expert at using these is going to be the one that makes the difference for you, I think. So um, so thank you. I think that's going to be really helpful for people to hear. Now, I'd like to sort of maybe sort of skip on to, you know, how... Um, if we do have some of these unresolved fears going into birth, how that might impact the birth, you know, if we do sort of leave these unresolved in that birth experiencing from your experience, you know, what what, what would you say to women that maybe do have those fears unresolved and, and what might be the risk of not dealing with that pre-birth? Yeah. Um, the reason I hesitate a little bit is I think that, you know, you, you know how if you have a really good day, Mm. Um, you feel in love, you're happy, you met somebody who made you feel good about yourself, you know, and you're going to work, or you're going to see somebody and you spill some coffee on your new white pants and you go, what the heck, I don't care, you know, that's just coffee and it's just pants, you know, life is too big for this. Mm. On that day, it doesn't matter what your fears are that you're carrying with you or your preconceptions or anything. Now, if you have a really stressed out day and the person you love made you feel bad about yourself and you're unsure about life in general and you got a big bill from the tax authorities, that day when you spill that same coffee on the same pants, uh, that would be really bad to have that luggage. Mm. So basically, um, the, more you, the more luggage you can lose before you go into birthing, the better. Mm. Uh, if you haven't lost your luggage and you're going into birthing, the better mood you can find yourself in, the the less it will matter. Mm. Because I don't want anybody going into birthing thinking, oh, I haven't lost all my luggage. This could be really bad. You know, I, I, want, yeah. them, I want them to go, on a good day, I can handle anything. So let's make this a good day. Yeah, yeah. No, good point. Thank you. Uh, but what we do do is um, there are two, two types of mothers we see coming for hypnobirthing. One is the one that had, uh, has not given birth yet and wants, you know, wants to maximize their life. You know, I'm going to give birth. I'm gonna, you know, how can I make this be the coolest thing ever? Yeah. So they look up hypnobirthing because they Google stuff. And this is something I can train. It's empowering. I can do it myself. You know, I can learn stuff here. Uh, or it doesn't have to be hypnobirthing. It could be any method like, you know, reflective repatterning or just something that you can train and affect yourself to maximize the experience. Mm. The other type of mother that comes from for, for us is the one that has had a first birthing experience where for some reason it wasn't optimal. Mm. So they're going, this is not how it should be. This is wrong. It has to be better. Mm. <laughs> so they're coming. And some of those might have experiences they need to lose. Now, what we do is uh, when we do hypnobirthing training, we also do a small session where we actually take all your fears, 
all your preconceptions, anything that you're worried about, you and your partner. Mm. And there are couple of things we do to get rid of that. A simple thing that anybody can do out there is you and your partner, you sit down and write down on a piece of paper anything that you're afraid of about this birthing. And it doesn't have to be the actual giving birth or anything related to that. It could be the mother-in-law after or having time for work or losing your business or getting back you know, into life mm-hmm. or finding romance with your partner mm-hmm. uh, after giving birth. All these things and fears, just write them on the paper And we say you don't have to share it with your partner because that's not necessary. These are your fears. But you do it. Your partner does it. And when we teach hypnobirthing, both just put those in a little bowl and set fire to them. Mm. And just watch that little bonfire together. Now, this does tie into a lot of different therapy models that actually use that. It's, It's about acceptance. It's about voicing your fears. It's about seeing them in writing. It's about not having them suppressed. And it actually works really well. So I would recommend anybody to try that. Mm, I love that. Setting fire to your fears. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And, and you can, and you know, some partners share it, some don't. You don't have to. You know, your inner fears don't have to be in the face of your partners. Some mm-hmm. things can be kept private. Mm-hmm. Keep it, keep it sizzling. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, I, I, there's so much brilliant stuff that we've talked about today. I'm just wondering is there anything else, you know, before we sort of wrap this up, is there anything else that, out of the vast, your vast knowledge around birthing and, and hypnobirthing and the mindset and getting over difficult emotions that you would like to share with mums listen to this that, that are fearful around birth or dads, yeah. you know, anything that you might want to say to dads just to rally them in at the last minute? That yeah. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to the dads. Yeah, relax. It's not what you think it is, but it's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and to the most, yes, I think you should have a practical technique, something that you can use that you hear right now in a few seconds that you actually gives you part of the control over your fantasy and your nervous system. Mm. So uh, I want you to have three things. Number one, when you write down on a piece of paper the things that you fear related to this birthing experience, whether it's physical, whether it's about you, the baby, your partner, or your career afterwards, doesn't matter. Look at that list a second time. And all of the things you've written there, they can be phrased in two ways, as something you're running away from that you're fearing or something you want to run towards. Now, by simply translating a fear into a goal, your nervous system will find better resources to handle it. Mm -hmm. So fear is something you're running away from. Pain, for example, is something you're fearful of. So Instead of having an image of wanting to avoid pain, which is an image of pain, Mm. you want to have an image of having a pleasant birthing experience. Mm. That is the same thing but the other side of the coin. Mm. Instead of not finding, uh, instead of maybe not having, um, not agreeing on how to bring up the child afterwards with your partner, that's something you're running away from that will agitate your nervous system. Turn that into a two goal, which is I would really like for me and my partner to, you know, to find ways around our indifferences about bringing up this child so that it ends up in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Instead of avoiding not coming back to a sex life, you're actually looking at romance. Mm-hmm. All these things. So just translate every single thing you wrote on that paper into something positive, which is the flip side of that. Mm-hmm. Now, the second thing is you want to get control of your nervous system at all times whether you're birthing or discussing or working or anything you're doing. And that there's a really simple way to do that that I'm going to teach you right now. So all I want you to do is close your eyes, 
Breathe in deeply with me. Hold your breath. And now breathe out with a sigh, the kind of sigh that lets your body and muscles know that you're relaxing. That's it. Now you're going to do that again, this time deeper. Breathe in. Hold your breath. Because when you hold your breath, you're telling your nervous system, I'm in control, it's okay. And now I want you to give a sigh of relief. That's it. Not the slow yoga, I'm in control, I'm breathing out as long as possible. Now, the important thing is you do it a third time. And when you breathe in for the third time, it's going to be a longer in-breathe than the first two. And now when you breathe out with a sigh of relief, allow your whole body to relax. Really make it heavy. The secret is to do it three times because the first time your nervous system will go, oh, she's holding her breath. Hmm. Second time, there seems to be a meaning to this. Third time, ooh, there's a pattern. She's relaxing. Things are cool. That will allow your muscles to relax, your mind to relax, your autonomic nervous system to relax. It will kick down the cortisol, kick down the adrenaline, and boost up your immune system. Just doing those three breaths a couple of times a day when you're waiting for your computer to boot, the red light to switch to green, or your partner to understand that you need a chocolate mint for the chocolate, for the coffee, any of those occasions, just try that, and you're actually training your nervous system to be calm. Brilliant. That's so simple and brilliant. Thank you for that, Ulf. Really, really thank you. Um, well, there's been so many, so much good stuff we've talked about today. Now, if anybody wants to find out a little bit more about you, Ulf, where can they find you online and, and follow you and, you know, become raving fans? Oh, raving fans. <laughs> wow, it sounds so cool. <laughs> well, I think I, I'm, I'm involved in a lot of things. I'm involved in the Hypnobirthing Society of Sweden, uh, but that's in Swedish, so that's not going to help you. Um, oh, well, I could have links anyway, because I'm sure we have, I, I'm sure I have listeners in those countries. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah well, I'd love to in, share that. Uh, my, my personal site is Ulf Sandstrom, and you'll have a link next to the podcast, I guess, which is .se, so ulfsandstrom.se. Uh, there I have, in English, you have uh, a blog telling about all these things and how you can think mental training, peak performance, relaxing, being a happy person. There's another one called findinghappy.co, but that's kind of just simply focused on the actual uh, achieving maximum happiness in your life. Uh, I'm going to try to put together a, uh, I will put together a podcast for you. There are some Swedish podcasts uh, with self-training and, and self-hypnosis on my ofsandstrom.se site that are free, and you can, you can just stream those and listen to them. Uh, the whole idea of that is if you listen to a MP3 file with self-hypnosis for relaxation, you're training your system to relax. Mm. And if you train your system to relax, guess what's going to happen? You can relax. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when you relax, it's fun and you can laugh and yeah. everything is going to be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant, yeah. So you said you're going to prepare uh, an MP3 in English for us as well. Yes, I will. It's, it's probably just going to be happy, boosty, relaxation, smile, you know. Oh, sounds brilliant. One, wonderful life from now on. Excellent. Well, I think we could all do a bit of that. So thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. It's mutual. All good. And, and all those mothers out there, happy birthing. <laughs> thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Ulf. He shared so much really great stuff around mindset when it comes to birth that I'm really, really thrilled to have him on. But 
He is also a proper superstar because if you do recall during the chat, he did say that he would create a hypnosis track for my listeners. And he has done that. He's created a free, it's a 28 minute hypnosis track for you so that you can help, you know, relax, get your mindset into a really great place in preparing for birth. But that is not all. Do you remember when he talked about dads and the one thing that mums and dads can do during pregnancy is that dads can read a relaxation script to mum. And the benefit of doing that is not only does it help mum to relax during pregnancy, but it's also a really great way to condition the baby to learn that dad can be soothing and relaxing and calming, which means when baby's here and dad wants to calm and soothe baby, that dad's voice has a and a magical calming effect on baby, which means mum, that's you, gets to have a break and dad gets to feel really important and get to bond with baby. I mean, there's so many benefits to this relaxation script. And after listening to our chat, I got in touch with Ulf and said, hey, any chance of getting a relaxation script? Because that sounds amazing. And I really want to have something for dads. And he's like, no problem. And he did it straight away. So we've also got a relaxation script for dads that you can read to mum. And that is really great bonding for all of you, for the whole family. So to get hold of the goodies that Ulf has provided, you need to go to fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash 211 to the podcast show notes. And then once you get there, you have two options. You can either subscribe to the Fear Free Childbirth community email list. And when you do that, you will receive an email as part of the emails you receive with download links for both the mp3 and the relaxation script but you're not going to get that straight away because there are other emails that I send out to people who join my email list so if you can't wait and you want to absolutely have it within your reach today straight away then you can pay and it's only two pound and all the money goes to the charity that Ulf works for Peaceful Heart they do incredible work which I've already talked about so it's definitely well worth um, if you want to get it straight away then the money is going to a brilliant cause so that is what you need to do you can either sign up for the community email list and receive it as part of the emails that I send out or you can get it straight away by paying two pounds today and you will receive it straight away in your inbox I hope that that has been helpful for you today listening to Ulf he really does share a ton of brilliant information to help you to prepare for birth. So remember, if you want to get the show notes for today's episode, you go to fearfreechildbirth.com forward slash 211. Until next time, bye for now. You've just been listening to me, Alexia Leachman, here on the Fear Free Childbirth podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now, this is just a wee reminder that if you'd like to listen to bonus podcast episodes and have access to loads of birth preparation downloads, my video mini series on reducing your fears and so much more, then join the Fearless Mamaship community today. You can join at fearfreechildbirth.com. Until next time, bye for now.